just thinking last Sunday morning I was preaching in uh, Carriverton, Guyana. So uh, I got the mosquito bites to prove it. <laughs> it was probably 85 and humid. And uh, some of you can relate to this. There was probably 300 people in the service. I counted six cars and two motorcycles. Everybody else walked or came by minibus. So it's a different reality, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. I had a wonderful time. Um, I know some of you were praying for me. I thank you for that so much. Um, God has opened amazing doors of opportunity to, to Guyana. The Guyana Evangelical Fellowship, which is the largest uh, body of evangelical and Pentecostal churches in Guyana, um, have agreed to sponsor within the country this outreach, um, this media evangelism campaign that we'll be doing um, October 18th. We've got dates now, October 18th to November 14th. And um, we'll be doing live stories every night on television right from within Guyana. Uh, the churches are now, the leaders are now choosing um, the live stories. And um, so we'll be on television, national television, every night for a month, uh, plus two regional television channels. So we'll have good coverage all over the nation, full-page newspaper ads, radio and television spots, couple hundred thousand brochures distributed throughout the country, door-to-door -door as people from the church's prayer walk neighborhoods. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'm going back in end of June. We'll train, we'll train uh, people to man the call center, train people to probably train up to a thousand people to do home visitation. Um, so very, very exciting. Um, the churches in Guyana really feel like this is their time. This is their season. They really anticipate. They've never had anything like this before in Guyana. They're anticipating that this is going to usher into their nation as well as to the Caribbean because even though they're northeastern corner of South America, they really are more connected to the Caribbean world than they are to the South American world. But they really believe that this is going to usher in a revival to Guyana and to the all of the Caribbean. How many think that's a good idea? Amen. So we are very, very excited. This is uh, unprecedented as far as cooperation amongst churches. It's united and uh, it's humbling <laughs> to see an open door like this to reach a whole nation with the gospel. So keep praying with us. And uh, yeah, that was glad to go, glad to come home um, for about three days <laughs> before back here. So here we are. All right. We're back to uh, Luke 15, and I have seen, had the, uh, Tom sent me his, his notes, and I so appreciated what I saw, what I heard through his notes. Um, and um, you've received some really good words from the Lord in the last 
few weeks, and I'm going to try to build on that. There'll probably be some overlap. <clears throat> um, like I told Tom, it wasn't because I didn't think that there needed to be overlap, but that's just how it kind of happened. So um, he did a very good job. It doesn't need overlap, but here we are. Um, I really appreciated uh, the little outline he put together. Um, verses 11 to 13, the son is sick of home. Verses 14 to 16, the son is sick. Uh, 17 to 19, the, home, the son is homesick. 20 to 24, the son is home. Father, this morning, as we just take a few minutes in your word this morning, we pray that um, you would continue to make the story of the prodigal son to come alive to our hearts today. And I just pray, O oh God, that that Lord, even as um, as you touched my heart anew and afresh with the reality of your grace this morning, um, as you touched me even as I was preparing for this, Lord, I just pray that you would minister to people and um, and that you would touch their hearts in a very significant way as well. By your spirit, we recognize it is not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, Lord. So we pray for that. Um, Luke 15, verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. That's kind of where we're going to stop, but I'll finish it. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to be merry and we will be merry next Sunday. But <laughs> this Sunday, we're going to focus on the other part of the story. Um, <clears throat> before the son left for home, when he had determined in his heart that he was going to go back home again, he, he had determined what he was going to say. He said, and these were his words, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is excellent theology. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, this this was not some somebody's theology. This is Jesus' theology, and so you, you, you know it's interesting as you hear this. Remember that that this is really Jesus talking. This is his theology, and 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 he is he is laying out for us one of these basic, simple principles that are so important for us to understand. That that uh, and and by the way, this is this is the first step towards restoration. This is the first step towards rebuilding. Is understanding that we have sinned not only against people, not only against ourselves, not only against our own bodies, as as First Corinthians talks about, but we have also sinned against heaven. 
We've sinned against heaven. And, 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 and we see that, we see that pattern, um, throughout the scripture. You remember in the book of Joshua, the story of Achan and how, how Achan, uh, had, had taken out of, out of a sense of, of, um, of covetousness, of, of strong, passionate desire, he had taken gold and silver, even though it had been said that he should not do that, that anyone should not do that. Um, great warning. Um, it had brought judgment to Israel because of sin. Very interesting picture here, how that, how that sometimes our personal sin can impact uh, a church body, it can impact a family, it can even impact a nation. Isn't that interesting? And 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 Achan's sin impacted the whole nation here. Um, but in in uh, in Joshua chapter seven and verse nineteen it says, "Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to Him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me." And Achan answered Joshua and said, "Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel." And this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, the 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. The reality of sin becomes much heavier, much greater when we realize that our sin is against God Himself. That we have faced God and we have sinned against Him. It it, it changes it. You know, it, it makes it darker. It makes it heavier. It makes it more unbelievable that we would actually do this not only to ourselves, and to those around us, but but to God. And Achan Achan understood this. And we 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 see that Achan isn't the only one. We see David as well. And in 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 Psalm 51. And of course, this is this is the response of David in re, in relationship to the whole Bathsheba story. And 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 how gruesome that story is. I I mean, it's an unbelievable story of of awesome sin. But in in spite of that, here we have David saying, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you. Against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. Now it wasn't. It wasn't just... Against God. It was against Uriah. It was against, uh, obviously, the nation of Israel. It was against his own body. It was against, it was even against Bathsheba. But, but, but in the context of all of this, he understands that, that, that overriding the, the umbrella over all this, he had sinned against God. Sin, sin is not just a human experience. Sin is is actually a supernatural thing. It's a, it's a it, it 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 passes the veil of the human because of 
of who we are impacting when we sin. Doesn't that change change it? Yeah. You know, in the book of Acts chapter 5, we see a a New Testament example of this. And and the example, of course, is is a very well-known example, but I'm going to read it to you. Acts chapter 5. Starting in verse 1, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? You didn't have to do this. And after it was sold... Was it not in your own control? You didn't have to. You didn't have to give any of it. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Wow. You have not lied to. You've you've not just sinned against this church. You have not just lied against us. You have literally lied against God. Then. Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter answered her, wow, how did that happen? I'm not sure. But Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together, premeditated, That's what that means here. Premeditated to test the Spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last and the young men came in and found her dead and carried her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all uh, who heard these things. I, I think there needs to be a revival in the church today and one of the revivals that needs to happen in the church today is to is a fear of the Lord. Yes. Especially when it comes to the issue of sin. Yes. We, we have an easy grace mentality that says it really doesn't make any difference. It's in the back of our mind. I can go out and sin because I because the blood of Jesus cleanses me from all sin and I can just come back and ask God's forgiveness and everything's fine, everything's wonderful. And there's really and, and there's not this awareness that when we sin, we are sinning against God. There needs to be this, this, this wall. Can we call it that? This wall that's built between you and sin. That you have to crawl over the wall of God's grace and the fear of knowing that you are not only sinning against yourself and other people, but you are literally sinning against God and you have to crawl over that wall before you sin. Huh? Isn't that a healthy thing? I, I see that as not being some ugly, dark thing. It, 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 it's a healthy thing. It, it keeps me from entering in to that which I would maybe easily enter into because I think, oh, I can do this. It really doesn't make any difference. But when I understand I'm not just sinning against myself, I'm also sinning against God. All of a sudden it changes all that. And I understand how deep this is. How desperate this is. How satanic this is that I am literally sinning against God. So, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you 
and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And, 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 and here again we see the theology of Jesus and we see something that, that is so important for us to understand in this context is, is, is literally there is none righteous, no, not one. There, there is not one of us that can say, I am worthy. <laughs> none of us are worthy. None of us. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Verse 9, listen. What then? Are we better than they? Speaking Jew-Gentile? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who... None. None. None who understands. None who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. None. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, and that, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become Guilty before God. By the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in His sight. None worthy. Nobody. For by the law, what? It's a mirror. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. That's the purpose. It's the purpose is to reveal to us our sinfulness is to reveal to us how unworthy we are. <laughs> that we deserve nothing from God. That, that, that it's not, well, I'm, I'm good enough. I, you know, my, 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 my grandfather on my mom's side, uh, we called him Gramps, and um, he was a very kind man. He's a wonderful guy. Um... My dad died when I was four. He was an Assembly of God pastor. And uh, um, back in the 50s, this was in the 50s, <laughs> 1954, um, when my dad died, 53, excuse me, when, when my dad died in 1953, uh, you know, it was really unspiritual to have life insurance. How many remember those days? You know, some of you remember that, I, I mean, as a Christian... I mean, if you had life insurance, you were you were not very godly. So so we didn't have we didn't have life insurance, you know. Uh, we didn't have anything. And 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 when my dad died, Harborview Hospital in Seattle, my my grandpa stepped in. He was not a Christian. He stepped in, bought a house in Seattle, put my mom and my sister and I up in that house, um, moved in the basement, paid all the bills until my mom got work, and, and for six months. He, he lived with us. And then every Saturday he came over. And I think for years, I, I can't prove this, but I think for years, every Saturday he took my mom grocery shopping and paid for all the groceries. You know, I mean, he was, he was a great guy. And, and for years he never became a Christian because he compared himself to people who were Christians. How many know people like this? He compared himself to people who were Christians and said, I'm better than they are. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm just as good. I, you know, I see them and I see what they do and I 
I don't act like they do, so I, I, why do I need this? But I remember as a little boy sitting with him in church. He would come to church with us twice a year, Easter and Christmas. And I remember sitting by Gramps in church, and I mean, his, his foot was tapping the whole... He was so nervous. Why was he nervous? Because all of a sudden, his heart was exposed to the... Com- to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit that was saying, in spite of all of your goodness, Howard Nicodemus, you are not right with me. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and ultimately, it is a healthy thing for us to understand that none of us are worthy. And let me tell you, that is true for you today. It is true for me today, no matter how many years I've been saved, no matter what I've done, I am still unworthy. How many of you recognize you're still unworthy? It makes no difference. You are unworthy. Whatever happens in your life, whatever good comes to you, it isn't because you are so righteous or you are so good or because you've given this or you've done this. Or No, 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 no. No, it is the grace of God. That will keep you from pride, by the way. It will keep you from spiritual arrogance. It will keep you from a Pharisee kind of attitude that says, I deserve this. Because I have prayed, I have fasted, I have given, I have done, therefore I deserve. And that is nauseous to God. It's nauseous to God. There is none righteous. (laughs) None! And the moment we begin to think that, well, maybe we are. Maybe we've got it now. huh? You know, I know some scripture. You know, I can speak in tongues. I pray better than all. And God says, my, how pharisaical you are becoming. Huh? Oh, Lord, it is good for us to know that we are not worthy. But let me say this. The other side of the coin is this. Never let it keep you from coming home. (laughs) You know, the unworthiness of the son could have kept him from coming home. He could have said, I am, you know, I'm I'm no longer worthy to be called a son, therefore... Hey, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna die out here or whatever, but I'm not, I'm not gonna go home. And how many people have blown it miserably? Oh, by the way, how many of you have ever blown it miserably? Please raise your hand. I'll raise both and my foot. Okay. I, I mean, we've all blown it miserably, right? All right. But 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 here here. The, the truth of Jesus' theology is never let blowing it miserably cause you to not come home. <laughs> I'm very grateful for this. I am so grateful for that. We can come home. <laughs> we don't have to stay away. The mercy and the grace of God is there for us. Let me read a couple of scriptures for you. Um, Psalm 53, Psalm 53, 
1 to 3. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. God looks down from heaven upon upon the children of men to see if there is any who seek understand, who, who, who understand, who seek God. Every one of them is turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. No, not one. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. Notice how Isaiah includes himself in this. And we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, for he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. An interesting thought that came to my mind as I was preparing this. One of the reasons Jesus came and died was because you sinned and I sinned against heaven. We sinned against God. We didn't just sin against each other. If I had just sinned against Tom, I could ask Tom for forgiveness, right? And it's a human issue, right? But now, because my sin isn't just against Tom, it's against God. Jesus had to come to pay the price. Isn't that an interesting reality? Jesus had to come and die for us because our sin entered into the supernatural realm. It wasn't just human. I, that, that to me is just so fascinating. And so, Zechariah 4, 6, and 7, we know this. Zechariah... Is, is being used of God in the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And, and as he's doing that, Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, what does it say? This is what it says. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you should become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of, I did it, I did it. Is that it? No, no. It's not shouts of, I did it, I did it. It was shouts of, grace! Grace! <laughs> All right? That's, that's, this, that's this unworthiness thing. That, that's this awareness that, that we are unworthy, but, but we have received something, unmerited favor, the grace of God. The goodness of God. I, I was just this morning, uh, on my walk this morning, as I was walking and praying and just just enjoying the Minnesota cold in comparison to Guyana heat. And, and, and as I was just out walking this morning, I was just thanking God for His grace in my life. Man. So much grace. So much goodness. So much undeserved favor. 
so much that God has done for me that I didn't deserve or earn or work for. But it was just, it's just because He's good. I'm really grateful that God is good. We are unworthy. He is good. We don't deserve anything. He is good. <laughs> Can you thank Him this morning right now? Just thank Him that He is good. Thank Him that He is good. Oh, we thank You that You are good. <laughs> Hallelujah, You are good. <laughs> We, you are good. We are bad. You are good. <laughs> we are unworthy. You are good. You are merciful. Grace. Something good happens to you. Grace. Somebody claps you on the back and says, Oh, you did a wonderful job. Grace. Somebody gets saved. Grace. Somebody gets healed. Grace. Provision, grace. Good job, grace. You know, go on and on and on. Grace, 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 grace. All over, everywhere, every day. Grace. You see, our theology gets all mixed up because you see, as Christians, sometimes we live a lifestyle of worthy, 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 worthy. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. So when something bad happens, we say, God, why did you... Where's that coming from? That's coming from a worthy theology. That's coming from a theology that says, I deserve, I deserve. I've, I've, I've prayed, I've, I've done, I've worked, I've been faithful to you. And now, now, why is it... That's a worthy... That's not a grace theology. Anything good that happens in my life is the grace of God. Okay? Something doesn't happen that's good? Well, okay. Don't don't allow it to trip you up. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. Anything good happens. Don't lose sight of this. So... So, Jesus in this story proves this concerning the prodigal son and the father. He, he proves to us the father's heart. The father's heart is full of grace, full of mercy, okay? And, 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 and he tells this marvelous story. Dave, I want you to stand. He tells this marvelous story, and, and this story is, is of, of the father and the son. And, 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 and I want you to picture this, because Jesus frames the father's attitude in a particular way. And those of you that don't know, this is my son. Okay? All right. All right. So, um, for true. For true. Okay. So, okay. So, <laughs> so, so the, the view that Jesus gives, the picture that Jesus gives, he gives the picture of a father who is looking for his son to return. That's, that's the fullness of grace. Yes. It's not like, oh, you just showed up at the door. Well, okay, here you are. Well, all right, come on in. I won't slam the door in your face. Okay, that's a certain level of grace. But the fullness of grace is a father who not only says, oh, come on in, but who is looking for the Son to return. Anxious, desiring, hungered, longing, wanting the Son to return. And He goes beyond that. 
He goes beyond simply from saying, I'm looking and I'm wanting him to come, to actually running to him and throwing his arms around him and kissing him on the neck. Now, I could not do that to anybody else, but I could do that today. All right. Okay. That is the grace of God. That is the heart of God. That is God's heart towards you. Satan would like to lie to you and rob you of that and say, no, 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 no. That's God cannot stand you. He is nauseated by you. He's nauseated. You have wasted what he gave you. You've wasted it. And now he is against you. Don't even think about coming back. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about restoration. Don't even think about it. That's Satan's word. God's word is, ah, come to me. <laughs> come to me. I'm just waiting for you to come back so I can restore you. So I can heal you. So I can give you a robe and give you a ring and put feet, uh, shoes on your feet. Give you future. And so for us, you know, the, the issue for us is, well, I'm not worthy of that. Hey, we, you know, we've already covered that. We already know that. That's not the point here. The heart of the Father. He will run to you with joy. Because He loves you. And so, verse 21, true to His word, the Son speaks to the Father just like He said He would. Words of, of genuine grief. Words of genuine repentance. Remember, we're seeing the theology of Jesus here. And, um, and he allows his son to say this. He doesn't throw his arm around him, kiss him on the neck and say, Okay, we're done. Here's the robe. No, no, no. No, no. He allows his son to say, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I've done this. I want to say something this morning. Some of you have great grief for what you have done, but you have never said it to God. You've never verbalized it to God specifically. God, I am sorry that I sinned against you by doing A, B, C. Boom, boom, boom. Because of the pain, because it hurts so much, because you feel so shamed because of, of whatever, because of pride, because of... It can be so many different things. But you have... It needs to be more than a warm thought. For, for this son, it needed to be more than just a nice thought. He needed to say it. You need to say it to God. I'm going to give you a chance right now to say it to God. Bow your heads. Come on. Bow your heads. All of us. All of us. And some of you... The Holy Spirit right now is targeting something in your heart, your life, that you have never said to God. God, I am sorry for this. Will you forgive me? Let me, let me just share something. 
This is, this is like a four o'clock in the morning thing this morning for me. And, and then I'm going to pray, pray for you this morning. But this is, this is like as, as, as current as today for me. Okay. I'm, I'm sleeping, but I'm obviously thinking about this morning. And uh, the Lord reminds me of something. <laughs> me. That I had never verbalized to him. Something that I needed to tell him I was sorry for. Isn't that interesting? So, you know, it, this may not be for any of you. But it was certainly for me. Okay. So I want you to know this This isn't about... This isn't about are you Christian, not Christian, you know, whatever. This, this is about dealing with stuff that sometimes are is hidden and you've never said, God, I, I, I bring this to the light and I say, Jesus, would you forgive me for that? You, you have an opportunity right now to be just real transparent before the Lord. Would you bow your heads now, now that you hear my story? And I'm just going to, I'm going to give you about I'm going to give you about 30 seconds and I'm going to be quiet and just let you tell the Lord you're sorry. some of us, Lord, this morning, we we never thought that it would come to this. <laughs> but here we are today. And you've reminded us of something that we needed to verbalize to you that we needed to express to you, that we needed to say the words, I have sinned against you. Oh God, I sinned against you and against heaven. How wonderful it is to be able to say those words and to know That is not the frown of God that we experience when we say these words, but gratefulness that we're finally fessing up. <laughs> that we're finally acknowledging something that needed to be acknowledged. Maybe from years ago. We are very sorry. And we ask you to forgive us. And to cleanse us, Lord. Thank you for the power of words. Thank you for the power of action. That it's not simply feeling something, but it's doing something about it. We rejoice in that. Would you thank him this morning for his cleansing? Come on. Thank him. Thank him. Praise him this morning. Thank you. 
I'm almost done. Okay. So verse verse 22, what a surprise. The son says, you know, I've sinned against you, sinned against heaven. <laughs> what a surprise. What, is, what does the father do? What would you do? Well, better yet, what would I do? I, I, I couldn't say what you would do. You would probably be more gracious than I would. But I probably would. I wrote these things down. We will have to wait for you to prove yourself. I'll let you live like a servant for a while. This is a probation period. So after you pass the probation period, maybe then. Pay me back what you wasted. Then we'll talk about sonship. <laughs> Does that relate to you? Huh? Anybody can relate to that? Okay. All right. All right. This guy's just blown the inheritance. All right? This guy has just come back with his tail between his legs, basically saying, I don't deserve anything. I, I only deserve to be a servant. And, 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 and the father looks for him, runs. All this is wonderful and great. Throws his arms around it. And, we, and we'd say, okay, that's fine. Now, now come home, prove yourself. Right? Prove yourself. Okay? Talk is cheap. Okay, you said this. All right, I accept that. Talk is cheap. All right, prove yourself now. But that's not what the father does. What does the father do? He says, Hey, bring the robe. Not next week, not next month, not next year, right now. Bring the robe, bring the ring. Robe spoke of sonship. Ring spoke of authority. And shoes. You know, Tom shared about some of the... There's so many different things about the shoes, but one of the things that I like about the shoes is that the shoes were a constant statement to everybody. This guy is, no, is not a servant. No matter... I, you know, there's all kinds of rumors going around that he's, he's really a servant. But the shoes prove he's not a servant because no servant ever wears shoes. <laughs> you can't be a servant and wear shoes in my house. That, that was the rules. Right? If you're a servant here, you don't, you don't wear shoes. If you wear shoes, there's only one reason. You are a part of the family and don't let anybody think otherwise. Okay? And so it, it, it removed the shame of servanthood. It removed that sense that you, you, you really aren't a son. You're, you're maybe partway there, but you're really not there yet. Shu said, you are in like Flynn. 100%. You are in. This is it. You are a son. You have authority. And there's all kinds of scriptures I've written down, and I'm way past now, so I'm not going to even share that part. But it's a great, great reality this morning from the scriptures that are so clear about sonship, about authority that you and I have in Christ, that we are, in fact, true, true. You are a child of God. It's so wonderful. And it's immediate. And that is that. It's restoration. We wouldn't do it that way. Would we? But God does it that way. God does it that way. And some of you have put yourself on the shelf way too long. 
and said, I can't, I'm not, I'm not worthy. And he's saying, why are you saying that? I have given you the robe. I've given you the ring. There are shoes on your feet. What in the world are you doing living like a servant? Father, this morning... good you are. We can't even begin to express how good you are. You are so good. And your goodness in in the context of our unworthiness fills our eyes with tears, buckles our knees, and more than anything else, gives us a strong desire to serve you faithfully because you have been so good. You are our Heavenly Father. And we don't discard the robe or the ring or the shoes. The son could have done that. He could have lived like a servant. And so many have when they have so much more. May we live in the context of where you have placed us, not where the older brother places us, not where other people place us, but where you have placed us. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, God is calling some today to choose the robe and the ring and the shoes. And you know exactly what that means. He's calling you to enter into your inheritance and you have for too long lived like a servant. He's calling you out of that servanthood into sonship and into friendship. Jesus said, I don't call you a servant anymore. I call you a friend. Because with friends, you open your heart and you tell them everything that's in your heart. Intimate relationship. He's called you to intimacy. He's called you to a robe. He's called you to a ring. He's called you to shoes. And because of your unworthiness, you've embraced the role of a servant. And he's saying, enter your inheritance. If that's for you today, would you just raise your hand and say, I'm receiving that today. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. It's yours. It's not pride. It's not arrogance. It's not foolishness. Take it. receive your call to robes and to rings and to shoes. All the things <laughs> that we certainly should not have. But it's all because of you and your goodness and your mercy and your grace. We just say how much we love you today.
for being so good to us. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're here today, my goodness, there's sin at the threshold of your life. Would you just come and deal with that this morning? If, if you want prayer, just come and stand. We've got wonderful people who know how to pray, who are prepared to pray, who will come and pray with you this morning. If you want to just be by yourself, come and kneel. And you, you may be here and you're not dealing with sin at all, but you're, you're, just, you're just needing to come because you're just, you're just laying something at the feet of Jesus today. You're starting anew today. You're taking the robe, the ring, the shoes today. Whatever God is putting in your heart and you feel like you just need to respond to that and come. If you want prayer, stand. If you want to just pray, kneel at, at one of these places or just even on the floor and we'll leave you alone because we respect that. But you know, isn't it a wonderful thing to be a child of God? Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. It comes without any small print that's negative, that says, yes, you're a child of God, but, but I'm sorry. No, no. You are a child of God with robes and rings and shoes. Grace. Grace. Live in it. Walk in it. Enjoy it. Fulfill it. God bless you. Father, as we close this morning, as people go their ways or come forward for prayer or just sit and soak for a few minutes in the presence of God before going, I just pray that God, we would be aware of your presence this week we would be aware of your leading. We'd be aware of your direction. We would allow you to use us in any way that you would choose. We yield our lives into your hands. And everybody said,